You are listening to a very special Comics Pals interview. Uh, I am joined by Kale, and we are actually going to go and we're going to get into the muck because this week we are speaking with legendary superstar creator Mike Perkins, who is working on Swamp Thing right now with Rom V. So we're going to be speaking about that and a whole host of other things uh, from the career of one of the greats, Mike Perkins. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us today. Thank you. I can't now, beat that introduction. Well, <laughs> now, here's the thing, Mike. We came here to settle some differences. We're, we're really going to get in the muck, and then we can talk about Swamp Thing. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Marco couldn't join us today. Marco is obviously the king of the swamp as it relates to the comics pals. He loves all things Swamp Thing. So without him here, there will be a little bit less gushing. But we <laughs> promise to do our best to get all of the details on the upcoming Swamp Thing goodness so before we get into all that really quick i want to let you guys know where you can find us all over the internet of course we're the comics pals leave us a review or a rating wherever it is that you listen uh you can write to us at the comics pals at gmail.com follow us on social at the comics pals if you're watching this on youtube thank you so much drop us a subscribe like this video share with your friends leave us a comment and make sure that you are letting your friends know that we're out here and you enjoy what we do by sharing it wherever it is that you can so with that feel out of the way, Mike, uh, how's it going? How you how you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. The uh, you know the lockdown hasn't really affected me that much. Simply, simply because that's been my life for the last <laughs> twenty odd years. So yeah. uh, it hasn't really been that much of a change. And it's funny you say that because we've spoken to quite a few creators throughout this time period, right. and we generally get that answer like, well, right. no, I've been able to catch up on work, and it's been, you know, it hasn't been so bad. So, where it's, all, it's all these people who are complaining, and you know, they got they're talking about mental issues, which is a which is a viable point, but it's it's for me, it's kind of well, you know, I've. I'm used to it, I guess. <laughs> I guess I had the mental issues years ago. <laughs> All comics creators are a little bit off. <laughs> Thrive in the isolation. Right. Where, uh, where are you located? Uh, in Tampa, Florida. You're in Tampa, okay. All right. Well, there's, yeah, no, nobody's staying in in Florida, right? Like, Right. <laughs> Especially in the summer. Yeah, of course. Everybody stays in. Oh, yeah, of course. It's so awful outside. Um, so I, I want to start by going back a little bit because uh, I first became familiar with your name uh, through Ed Rubiger's Captain America. Uh, you got some inking credits on that book. Yeah. And that's sort of when my comics fandom began was in that era. So whenever I think of you, I always think of, you know, my favorite era in comics, your name became a yeah. staple at that time period. So that, that sort of 2006, 2008 ish range. Can you speak to what it was like to be a, a part of some of those, those books that are now considered to be classics and, and to have worked at that time? Yeah. I mean, um, I'd worked with Epting when I was at CrossGen. We, we worked quite close with each other um, physically. Um, okay because everything was split up into the quads areas. So you had two teams to a quad. Um, and in mine, it was a really good bunch. You know, we had we had Steve and we had Butch Geis, uh, Frank Diamata, uh, Laura Martin, and Rick Magyar. That was our quad originally. <clears throat> and so we, we all came from this similar kind of background of illustrative art um, rather than cartoon. Right. And um, so I, I learned a lot from from Butch and Steve. And um, and I think Steve was where after he left, Steve was kind of developing Captain America there. And um, he was, you know, I picked it up and it was great. I mean, I've been a big fan of Ed Brubaker's stuff anyway. So I was always picking up his work. Uh, he and he and Greg Rucker, they were they were my my two yeah. favorites. Um, and so I was, I was picking up the book anyway, and I was loving what Steve was doing on it. Um, and then Steve asked me to, to step in. He needed some help time-wise on the inking. 
and he'd always enjoyed what I was doing on Butch. Um, <clears throat> and it was, I mean, it was a perfect opportunity for me because I've been doing some, after Crush Gem wrapped up, I've been doing some fill-ins at Marvel, and, you know, the Electra movie adaptation and all this kind of stuff. And um, I was working on the Spellbinders with Mike Kerry, where I was penciling that. And um, they asked me uh, if I wanted to, to ink it permanently. And I said, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying, you know, I started off in the business as a, as a penciler, inker, colorist, you know, in, in England, you do everything. Jack of all trades. Um, and then- um, A union jack of all trades. Obviously. Right. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and, uh, and then it was kind of, well, you know, I'm trying to reestablish myself as a penciler, a penciler mm -hmm. inker. And um, I said, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity for me, but I'm going to have to step back and say no. You know, I'll, I'll help out whenever you want, and that's fine. Um, and then the next day, Ed phoned me, and he was like, well, what if, what if we give you alternate arcs to do, and then you can help out Epting whenever he needs the help? So that was a perfect situation, really. Right. Um, yeah. And so, so that's what we did. And, and the good thing is, I mean, because we both come from that similar illustrative background, and because Frankie was uh, molding it together with the colors, mm. you know, it, it became very seamless. Um, so it was just a great tag team on there. You know, it was, yeah. I was helping out there. And, and at the same time, you know, I, I still, I'm, I'm fairly fast with my artwork. Um, so at the same time, I was kind of like, well, what am I going to do when I'm not working on the alternate arcs? And, and that's when uh, the Union Jack thing came up, you know. So it was, it was still in that Captain America universe. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, it was just wonderful. I mean, Ed's, Ed's writing was wonderful. Sometimes it was, he was a little late because he was, he was working on so many things right. at that time. And, um, you know, he was, he was getting a little burnt out by it all. But, I mean, it didn't show. I mean, the quality was just great. But... You know, I, sometimes I would get dribs and drabs of script and just, you know, just to keep me busy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but um, he, he was he was great. I mean, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that you would love to work with as a, as a creator. What about working with him specifically? Do you feel like gave you that that feeling that you just described of him being someone that anyone would love to work with. And how do you feel like that process allowed you to do your best work? I think, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that if you can find a writer whose work you would be reading anyway, right. That, that, you know, that pushes you a lot of the way along, you know, and I've been very lucky that I've been able to do that with a lot of um, creators I've worked with. Um, and so, so Ed, like I said, Ed was one of those guys who was, I was reading all of his stuff anyway. Um, so that, that gives you that added enthusiasm. Sure. You know, to, to, to do it. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's not a difficult decision to make, you know, yeah. in America. It was a difficult decision to come off it, but it wasn't a difficult decision to go on it. So you you mentioned how you are a very fast uh, artist. So how do you think you developed that ability? Because a lot of artists, you know, they they they, you know, it takes a little more time, and you know, the monthly grind of comics is definitely a struggle. So how do you feel that you've managed to keep yourself so quick and and so active uh, over the years? I, I don't know. I think it, I think it really comes down to discipline. I th mm. I really think that's all it comes down to. I, you know, I, I usually do a page per day. Um, that's pencils and inks, you know, so it, it's very much like, um, you know, if you break that down page by page, then that, you know, that's, let's say 20 pages to keep it simpler. Usually mm -hmm. it's 22, but mm -hmm. 20 pages, you break that down into a page per day, that's 20 days. Right. So that's, that's the whole month, not including the weekends, you know um oh, sure. sometimes it bleeds over into the weekends but oh. usually that's you know i mean that's fine um 
and then you've got to fit a cover in there as well somewhere you know right things like that so um it for me it just comes down to discipline i mean i don't set a timer and go okay this is right okay i'm, I'm gonna do this page in five hours and then just stop at five hours you know sometimes i'm i'm on that page for you know 10 hours or 12 hours or six hours or whatever but it it's i have to do that page right you know, so it's just a discipline thing well and when you set yourself up like that with a schedule like that you right. have that little bit of room even if you don't want to work on the weekends you right. can if you have to right right exactly exactly and uh and a lot of the times uh especially at marvel um i i hardly really got any deadlines i mean it was it was very much like well i knew when the issue was coming out and they could rely on me to get it out on time, you know, and, you know, so it was very much one of those things where it, you know, they, they appreciated me for that as well as the, as well, as well as the work itself, you know, but the work ethic, I think that can take you a long way as well. Right. I mean, I think for, for the big two, especially Marvel and DC, being able to right. say this book is not going to be late right. is huge because we do struggle with that a lot right. in the industry. So you make yourself that much more valuable. Right. And, uh, and I always try to beat those deadlines as well. It's that, that competitiveness in me, which is like, I've got to, I got to be ahead of that deadline. <laughs> now they say, yeah, they say uh, a good artist in, in comics is either fast, good, and nice. And usually right. you can get away with two. Right. Which one are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I, when I was first, going around the, the new DC offices. Um, I went into, I'm not going to name names. One of the editors took me into another editor's office and they introduced me. They said, this is Mike Perkins. And the editor said, oh, the unicorn. I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. What, what, what's that? You know, I said, well, it's all three. Yeah. <laughs> it's the unicorn. Tremendous. <laughs> Unbelievable. To have, yeah, to have that called out like that. Right. Incredible. I, I genuinely thought you were just going to say, and I went and told this DC editor to where he could <laughs> shove it. And okay, that's nice. Ticked off the list. Great. Right, right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's really funny. So <laughs> when you when you work on, on these titles, what is it that you like to receive as far as a script is concerned? How much freedom do you like a script to have for you to be creative and for you mm. to sort of work your magic. It doesn't really bother me. Um, it's, you know, I've, I've kind of, most of the time I've worked on full script. Okay. Um, you know, Mike, Mike Carey and Ed, uh, Greg Rucker, they're, they're all full script guys. Um, that's, that's fine. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, the only real time that I've worked on a looser plot script was on, on Green Lanterns with Dan Jurgens. Okay. Mm. But the thing is, you know, Dan is, is so, so visual anyway, because he's an artist, um, that he, he would basically write a paragraph and I would just see it straight away. Okay. And the, the only thing that I was saying to Dan was, could could you put some dialogue in there because mm. I like I like the the characters to be acting, right? Um, rather than just standing around, not you know, not knowing what they're talking about. I want I want to get that emotion in there um, through their facial features, through their actions, uh, and so that that's the only thing I was saying to Dan, and he was putting it in anyway. You know, it was, I mean, it was it was perfect working like that. Um, so really, it's doesn't really make any difference to me. I've just grown up with the with the full script, you know. Okay. So, yeah. um, so I'm kind of used to that, and that, that doesn't bother me. So you were at Marvel for what around twelve years, right? Fourteen years. Yeah. Fourteen years, and so then you 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 went over to DC, and and you've been there doing a lot for a while. Yeah. Are there any? Differences, I guess, between working for one or the other. Oh, and, and really. how did it feel when they, when you switched the sides on the on the baseball team, 
you know how did how no, did I mean it it doesn't I mean for for me even as a fan yeah it's a good comic is a good comic yeah, for me it doesn't matter where it's from you know I I can understand to a certain extent that the fan mind of Marvel or DC but I as as a fan myself I don't see that right you know, a good comic can come from anywhere um, and you know a lot of that doesn't matter. The the only change that I really noticed was was DC tend to work more in advance, um, mm. which, which is which is good. Mm. Um, a lot of the times at Marvel, it would be you would get the book finished, and then three weeks later, it would be in the stand. I mean, it was like wow, that interesting. Um, whereas DC tend to you know you'll you'll finish a book and it won't come out for four or five months. You know. Um, so in that way, I guess it's more kind of traditional publishing. Whereas with novels, you know, you finish a novel, then it takes them a year to market it and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, but really that's, that's the only kind of thing that I can say is the real difference. Huh. Um, other than that, no, I, don't, I can't really think of anything else. Yeah, it's it's so it's so interesting because the way that the industry has grown and evolved, uh, really over the last ten years, I think more than right. any, when you have so many talented creators kind of moving between the two, uh, but also branching out and doing a lot more work in Image or Boom right. or Dark Horse, there really isn't a, a, a point, sort of speaking to what you were saying about loyalty or brand favoritism when you right. can get high quality comics that will rock your socks off right. by your favorite creators from anywhere yeah i mean for me i i prefer to be in, in an exclusive contract mm. um and it, it there's no there's no external um me mechanisms for that it's it's more it's more a peace of mind for me yeah. sure <clears throat> Um, that I can just sit down and do the work, rather than thinking, you know, the, like when you get when you've got a four issue miniseries, you get to the end of the first issue and you're looking around for what what's going to come next. Yeah. Um, with with the exclusivity, it's more of a case of I just I can just concentrate on the work mm. that I'm doing at this moment, rather than thinking about what I'm going to be needing in five months down the road. Is there any any part of you that has stories to tell. I mean, you're you're oh, a yeah. creative person. Yeah, I'm sure. Totally. That, um, yeah. Um, um, that, but the yeah. thing is, I mean, usually, I, um, DC don't really like you to do that mm. as much. Marvel were fine with it as as long as they were getting their work from you. Um, and I, I think it comes down to the creator because mm. they could see that I would do the work. So they were. They said to me, you know, if you want to do some um, independent stuff, you know, that's that's fine. But the problem is, you have to fit it around that work, right? Um, and so the the only real time I did it was with Rowan's Ruin, which I did a boom with Mike Carey, um, and that came from from me. I mean, that was a story that I wanted to tell, um, and I brought in Mike Carey to to help, you know. Uh, do the do the scripting of it and all this kind of stuff, um, and it was that that was just insane because um, I was basically the only way. Of, and and again, it comes down to that discipline. Yeah. You know, it came down to breaking it down. It's like from so I would get up at four o'clock in the morning, wow. and and work on um, Rowan's Ruin until ten o'clock. Then I would put that aside and then work on Carnage until six o'clock. Wow. And 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 then by eight o'clock, I'd be crashed out in bed. Yeah. <laughs> and then four o'clock I'd be up again. You know, and that was the only that was the only way I could fit the the two books in per month. You know, and that was it was just it it wasn't how we planned, but the the um scheduling of it was brought forwards. Sure. So it was like, oh, you know, now I've got to fit everything in. Um, that's almost unheard of yeah but uh but i wouldn't choose to do that you right. know i wouldn't i wouldn't choose to work that way um 
I think if I was going to do a, another creator own thing, I would want, I would probably take a little more time and fit it in, you know, a few hours here and there. Um, oh, interesting. As opposed to blocking. Right. As opposed time. to doing a page, you know. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. So I would fit in a few hours here and there. And then once, say it's a four issue series, mm -hmm. once three issues are done, then you can schedule it, you know. So. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that's, uh, that, that seems to be a better way to, to work it. But even with that, it, it's very difficult to find the time because once you've done the page, your, your normal page, you're, you're tired, you know, yeah. it's just, it's exhausting, you know, I, I can only imagine it's, I mean, it's totally enjoyable. I'm not complaining about yeah, that. It's exhausting. <laughs> well, what it spoke to, to me was just the passion that you had to tell that story that you were willing mm. to kind of make that sacrifice. Right. Right. And Mike and I have talked about, um, uh, a sequel and a prequel to Rowan's Ruin as well, which, you know, perhaps one day we'll get to, um, but yes, yeah, I've got 10,000 different ideas bubbling around. And it's uh, it's just finding the time to do it. Well, that's actually really exciting, um, and I don't want to let that let that pass. Um, Rowan's Ruin. I I had not had the chance to read this. I didn't know that this was um, right a project that you had done, and so I I want to go and and pick it up and 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 check it right. out. So the idea that there could be even more. Uh, you know, hopefully that does materialize, and I encourage everybody. The, the to whole give thing kind of it kind of kind of came from a true story in a way. Um, we we swapped a house with some old friends in England. Mm. They came over here. We went over there. Wow. And um, and our house is is pretty spotless. It's very clean. And we spent a week cleaning it before we got there. And then we went over there, and it was not clear. <laughs> and. Uh, and, and basically it was like, we, we, we can't stay here. We had, we had a, a small daughter at the time and it was like, there's no way we can stay here. So I was sitting down there and I was sitting, everyone had gone to bed and um, I was sitting in the living room and I was like, ah, oh, this is a nightmare. And, and then my brain was like, what if it was a nightmare? You know, what if, Oh, yeah. What if we'd swap the house and there was a ghost in the house, mm. you know, and all this kind of stuff. So, so that's where Rowan's Ruin percolated from. You know, it was, uh, it was kind of a house swap, but there's that ghost, you know, and, and then it turned into a murder mystery and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was just there and it was, you know, couldn't get rid of it. That's so fun. That's such a fun <laughs> idea. And I, I feel like there's an era in cinema and television with horror television shows and movies that's, that's right. kind of happening now right. where an idea like that actually makes perfect sense for like a right. Netflix show. Right, right. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that. Uh, yeah, we just have to approach the one, you know, go with that. Because we got the rights to it back so we can do whatever we want with it now. Well, hey, <laughs> well, any executives <laughs> listening now, you heard it here first. <laughs> uh, I know, I know we're, we're going to talk about Swamp Thing, but I just wanted to ask you one more question about uh, working with Boom, actually. Boom is, you know, really on fire and they've had such amazing years these last right. few years. And, you know, your book, uh, Rowan's Ruin, it came out in uh, 2015. Right. And that's kind of like a precursor to what we're seeing now. So right, right. what was it like working with Boom and uh, adjacent to that? I've been dying to ask a creator, why Boom? Why, why work with Boom? What's the incentive there? Well, I think, I think from, from me and Mike, Mike had a working relationship with Boom already because he, he had done suicide risk with them. Okay, right. Um, and so he had that working relationship and I got on really well with the guys from Boom as well. And plus the fact, me and Mike, we just want to do our work. Mm. And part of the deal with Boom was a 50-50 split. They would get 50%, we would get 50% if it was turned into a film or, or something like that. Mm. Um, there, there are better deals with you know, let's say image or somebody else, 
but the fact is we would have to have you know we would have had to have gone to all these meetings mm. and all this kind of stuff on our own back rather than letting them deal with it yeah. so that that was that was part of the the whole thing you know we just wanted to concentrate on making comics you know we we you know we, we didn't want to be in 10,000 meetings you know they've got guys who can do that at boom so right you know let, let them do that if anything ever came out from that right but but for me and mike it was about making the comic i mean that was first and foremost um it wasn't about you know wanting to turn it into a, a movie sure even though it's perfectly suited for that um but it, it was <clears throat> so that was really why boom um Okay. Plus, plus all the guys that I, I love, all the people working there, it was fantastic. I mean, Daphne was the editor. She was, she was just brilliant. I mean, she was, she was on point the whole time, and um, you know, the marketing guys and everything. It was, it was, it was great. So certainly an experience that you would love to recreate if you oh yeah out again yeah 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 for sure okay. Uh, so let, let's talk a little Swamp Thing. Uh, now, Swamp Thing, is a, <laughs> Swamp Thing is a character who I feel like has kind of a cult following. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who love this character are super loyal. Like Marco, who couldn't be here today, is that's his favorite character, but right. not the same way that like my favorite character is Jean Grey. He, right. he, you can't tell him anything about Swamp Thing. He owns all the collectibles. Like, you know, he's he's a fanatic. This is a dude that when we first got to know him, he wept over a uh, a, a commission that he got right. done by an artist. We we all we all really right. like, but he he saw it and he took it and he had to go. He genuinely had to go have a moment with it. Like <laughs> he was he was he said he was very touched. <laughs> well, he hasn't got my little clay head. It's over there. Oh, that's uh, that was um, something I did just as I was starting something. I just made this little clay head so I knew where the shadow was falling. Oh, whoa, oh, wow, on the face, you know. I so bet you put you, the, you put the light there and the shadow would drop over, you know, so you could see it, yeah, perfectly. I bet you he will pay some money for that if he wants that. <laughs> That's so cool. I can't wait till he sees this. Um, already an exclusive. <laughs> so when it comes to the, the fans of Swamp Thing and you taking on this role of, of working on the character, uh, has, do you feel more sort of, I don't, I don't want to use the word pressure that can have a negative connotation, but do you feel right. like you have something to live up to with this character, especially with the artists who have graced this character in the past? Um, not, not as much as previous things, really. Um, the only time I, I, you know, I mean, you, you can, you can basically disable yourself thinking about, you know, Jack Kirby on Captain America or yeah. Steranko or whatever, you know, you can sure. basically disable yourself. So, you kind of shut that part off and just try to do the best you can do um, as yourself. Um, the only time I really felt the pressure was uh, when I was doing The Stand, uh, the Stephen King adaptation. Oh, boy. It, basically because it was, you know, m- there's millions of people who've read that book. Sure. And, um, <laughs> you know, each, each single person sees the characters differently. Um, so that that was a pressure until Stephen King wrote to me and he said, "This is how I saw the character when I first wrote the book." So from that point on, I was okay. like, "I don't care what anybody else says." Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's that's it. <laughs> um, as far as something goes, you know, I'm a, I'm a massive fan as well. I mean, that was one of the reasons I really wanted to do the book, um, especially the Alan Moore stuff. Um, sure. You know, there's been so many great runs on Swamp Thing. Um, but going back to the pressure, it, we, I think Ram and I, we're developing a new character. We, we kind of went at it. We, we discussed this before we started a book and it was, we had decided really that Alec Olin's story has been told mm. perfectly, you know, and we didn't want to go back and reiterate the same themes over and over again. Um, 
So, so this is our Swamp Thing. It's a new character. Um, Ram is, you know, he's, he's putting bits of himself in there because it's an Indian uh, character. Um, okay. So that, to a certain extent, that pressure is off. Yeah. Um, the only pressure you can put yourself through is just going back and looking at, you know, the artwork of Bernie Wrightson or, or Bissett and Totlieb and, you know, all these kind of things. And it's sure. Or Yannick Paquette. And, you know, you, you look at that stuff and it's just brilliant. Mm. Um, but I'm, I think I'm confident enough in, in my, my textural approach and my shadow approach that I, I can do something different with it as well. What is it that you think attracts such a uh, high, uh, tremendously talented artist to this character? I think it's, it's probably your chance to, to really um, stamp something onto that character, onto Ooh. the history of that character. Um, you know, it's, it's very difficult when, when you've got these legacy characters, um, I mean, it can be done, obviously. I mean, Epting and Brubaker did it with Captain America. But it's very difficult when you've got these characters, you know, Batman, Superman, all these kind of things where you've got, you know, decades and decades before you um, to actually come along and, and really put your stamp on there. Mm -hmm. uh, I, don't, I don't think a lot of people really um, appreciate how difficult it is to put that stamp on there. Right. You know, that's why there's certain characters that come along and, and the creators go, oh man, I can really do, like look at Daredevil, you know, it's it's probably one of the most boring suits ever, <laughs> whatever, but people really get their teeth into that character. Um, you know, so and I think Swamp Thing is, is one of those for me where you can really um, get your teeth into it and, and um, just go crazy on that texture and the mood and everything you know and it's um you know and i think for most creators we we want to push ourselves mm. you know our next job is the one that we're really going to push ourselves i was having this conversation with scotty young at c2e2 last year and we, we were both saying to each other you know you can never rest on your laurels you've got to push yourself every single job you know and um and Swamp Thing is one of those things that, you know, you do have to, it's, it's, it's a lot more work going in than a, a character who's basically naked and, you know, uh, wearing a costume. Sure. Um, so there's a lot more work that has to go in there, a lot more thinking. Um, that's not to denigrate the other ones, but it, it's, it is a lot more uh, textual quality that goes into it. And I would imagine also some room for you as the artist to kind of play and, you know, maybe you can, you can make him a little scarier. You can right. find the humanity in his, in his face and things right. like that. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's, um, I mean, the, the stuff that Ram's writing is very um, lyrical anyway. Mm. Um, and so the, there is that quality to it anyway. And, I, I think I'm I think I'm pretty strong in getting emotions into my characters. So that's that's an even better thing with Swamp Thing because you can you can just manipulate the face just a little bit more to, to pull out a little bit more emotion. Um, I, I think that's what that's another thing that I find intriguing about it. What has been the, the working relationship like with Ram so far? He's great. He's fantastic. I mean, we work very, very closely on it. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be um, chatting uh, on, on video for, you know, maybe two, two, three times a week, just, just talking about different things. Um, you know, he's, he, he's a very visual guy as well. So um, we'll, we'll go backwards and forwards sometimes on layouts. Like, what do you think of this one? How can we zoom in here? And, all this kind of stuff. So I enjoy that a lot. It's um, uh, it, it's 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 fantastic to be working with somebody like that, where you, where you can really 
it becomes a team, you know, right. rather than this person's doing that, this person's doing that. And it's the same with Mike Spicer, who's covering it, where we, we just, you know, we'll, we'll get together in a chat and just talk about what we can do with this and how we can approach these colors just to, just to elevate it even more. And um, I think when people see the first issue, they'll, they'll, they'll see that elevation, um, hopefully from, from all of us, you know. It's so refreshing to hear you speak this way about, you know, corporate comics. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they feel like comics at Marvel and DC are just made on an assembly line, but there's so right. much heart and there's so much passion that goes into that. Right. Hear right. You speak about a character that you genuinely have affection for and this creative process that clearly has you so jazzed right. to be working. It, it reminds you that this is something that you guys get into um because of love and passion right totally totally i mean that's you know that's uh i've, I've dreamed of doing this since i was two years old you know so it's it's one of those things that that never for me never stops being un, never stops being uninteresting it's never stops being interesting which is just you know it's just every single day it's just you want to get to that board you know it's I'm, I'm doing so, I'm drawing something at the moment, which is this big element of the green. And uh, I had to finish a couple of pages off before. So I was up at four o'clock this morning, but I, I still don't want to finish working. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> but I know I've got to because I'll just be exhausted. But uh, I'm, I'm just, ah, I want to finish this page. I want to get on it, you know, and it's just, I, I know this one I'm going to finish tomorrow, but. Uh, because I've got to have some shut off at some point, but but just the fact that I just I just don't want to stop, you know. Right. You'll show us after the after we're off. You know, <laughs> are there are there any teases or morsels that you can throw at the rabid swamp thing <laughs> fan base? Mm. We we kind of. We're going to be dealing with uh, characters who have been in Swamp Thing previously. Um, I, you know, I mean, if you if you've seen the the cover for issue three on the previews, uh, as Poison Ivy is in there, um, and also if you've read the the block for issue three as well, you'll notice that a certain Holland is referred to and you know and there's uh <clears throat> a bit of woodrue gets in there and oh it's okay, um, okay okay yeah there's there's we we we're definitely harking we 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 something is a progression and throughout its mythos it's been that progression of this character who has basically been around through history mm. and it um my daughter printed something off. That's um, <laughs> quite all right. Uh, this this character who's been through history and it, and it's the history of the Swamp Thing goes on to the next person yeah. as well. Um, and so even though there have been other people taking on the Swamp Thing uh, persona, the history of that character has been throughout all of those Swamp Things. Mm -hmm. So I've just finished reading. Um, the script for four and th there's so much in there that ties into like there's parts in there where Ram's gone okay you know choose your favorite bits from previous runs and slot those in the background and, okay and it's um yeah I mean stuff like that just fires you up even that just the ability to say yeah. to kind of just say choose your favorite bit right right like, right such you know right. fandom between you both for the right. character and for the right. past that's just so that's so cool <laughs> well i think for ram as well i mean it was very much you know he, he i think he read comics when he was younger and then he became a, a chemical engineer um and then he kind of i think he picked up sandman picked up Neil Gaiman um, and that's what kind of got him back into comics and then from there he picked up the Alan Moore the Swamp Thing stuff so it was very much like you know it just yeah. exploded his brain that th mm -hmm. this 
this stuff could be written. Um, and I think that's the stuff which inspired him, which you can see, you can see in the, in the scripts that he's really inspired by it as well. Well, I can't wait for it. Uh, I am a Swamp Thing fan. I don't have a shrine to him like Marco does, but I do. <laughs> or a clay have, head. <laughs> or I don't. I also don't have a clay head. Not yet, but we can talk after the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I'm definitely going to be picking up uh, Swamp Thing number one from you guys. The Swamp drop. Thing. Uh, the Swamp Thing. I'm sorry. The Swamp um, thing. Yeah, we the changed Swamp the title thing. just for us. <laughs> uh that's that's march 2nd so not a long time to wait at all yeah. um the anticipation for you is there is there some excitement for people to finally get to check it out and see what yeah oh to totally do? um i mean we you know ram and i we, we played with this character before we we had the the halloween future special oh. uh and the future state um stuff so uh you know we, we kind of got it but we we've elevated it even more on on this uh on this series and um and the way the way it's played out is uh, the way we're doing it is it's this is the the, the first run of it is season one okay. um, yeah of course and um you know if if the sales are good if it's successful if word gets around that people are enjoying it then season two will follow on quickly from that I really love that idea, uh, Grant Morrison. Right, right, on Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah. and I, I found that to be very effective over there as well, just from a reader perspective. Oh, totally. totally. Um, there's like a, a Delian nation in your mind, like, okay, this is, it's the same, but it's different than right. what came before. Mm. Right. Um, and I also think it, it provides a good kind of jumping on point for new new people who might want to get right. on board. Right, right, totally. Um and I think that's it's a good way of going because as a creator as well, it gives you a little little bit of a breather before you start the next thing. Um, well, it gives it gives the readers a little bit of a breather. It doesn't really give us a bit of a breather because we, <laughs> we just carry straight on. But um, I, I think I think that's and I, I know that it's one of the things that Dan Dio wanted to do where it was different seasons going on. Mm. Um, and I'm glad they've carried that over because it's more of a in a way, it's more of a European approach, you know, mm -hmm. doing the albums and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, um, which which I think elevates the form as well. Um, you know, so it's, I, I, I definitely think that this this seasonal approach to it can, can work very well. Is that something that you would, you would like to see the industry adapt, adopt a little bit more? I don't know about that. Um, you know, I mean, there's, especially with characters like this, you can do it, you know. Um, you know, things like Batman, Superman, you know, those guys, you know, keep keep doing their ongoing stuff. Um, but I think you can do this seasonal approach. Um, and it, it, it's not the same as a miniseries because that's that's finite. Mm. But the seasonal approach works as one season. It's like a TV show. The seasonal right. approach works as one season or you can have the two seasons, or it can go on for as many seasons as, as it is popular. Um, and so I, I think that could, could work very well. I mean, for, for me, I would see the, the monthly books coming out as normal, and then the best of those collected into a nice hardback. You know, things like that. That's, that's how I would like to see the comic industry going. Um, because I know, I know for me, you know, I'll, if I really love something, I will buy the hardback as well. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just one of those things, especially the ones where image put out, you know, the 18 issues in that big oversized yeah. thing. I love that. You know, even if I've got the comics, I'll, I'll buy that stuff. Sure. Um, you know, so I, I, I do like that hardback approach, you know, do, do the monthlies, then do a hardback. Um, you you spoke of the the European albums, and um, I I recently just moved from Luxembourg, actually. Okay. Um, and I was uh, there, I was the president there one year. I, in I have I have questions. Uh, <laughs> not that many, actually. I know Contern, so. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things I I really really admired is the um the 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 
hardback collections of right. of comics. It's right. it's such a completely different way of right. collecting comics and and displaying comics and and it's a like a, a pride right. In, right in the material even for you know not to denigrate the you know our side of the art but even for the silly guys in capes like yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. so nice yeah yeah totally i have, I have a uh, an edition of kingdom come that uh it, that i got in paris and mm-hmm. i just i don't speak i don't speak a lick of french uh i can't i can only barely read it Right. Um, but I love it. It's one of my prized possessions. Right. Because it looks got, so nice. I've got some, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's here. It might be in the other room. Um, I've got some from Panini in Germany and they do absolutely gorgeous yeah. editions. Um, I'm just looking up there to see if it's up there, but I can't see it. Um, so they, they've done gorgeous editions of um, Batman Noel and, and uh, Joker and stuff mm-hmm. like this. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's in a plastic sheeting and, you know, you wow. pull the plastic sheeting off and it, yeah. it's partly printed on the plastic sheeting and and, uh, and the rest of the, the cover is underneath. They, they do so many lovely editions. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, we love our comic book characters so much and, comic book fans you know we we love having you know collector's edition items and things like that so sometimes i'm a little surprised that we don't get more things like that right um and i really wish we did i really yeah. wish we did yeah there was there was um a spider-man uh comic that i there was a whole month that i i designed there were, there were maybe about 12 different covers and it was all different points in Spider-Man's life. Mm. So I kind of laid all that out. And then I think I did like three of the covers. And, Are you referring uh, to Life Story? The chips no, 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 no. This, this is a few years back. And um, <clears throat> so all these, all these covers just basically told the different elements of Spider-Man. Mm. And, um, and yeah, they, they were released over here and it was great. But then uh, Panini Germany put them all in one box set that you could get with a poster of the the actual wow. all the covers on there as well, and uh, you know it's like why why don't we do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the ones that I found the absolute nicest was a a newer edition of Watchmen that was a right. a, a hard. A slip case basically and each issue had, was a, a hardback right inside right. the slip case man yeah oh that's actually <laughs> yeah. really cool yeah <laughs> we're we're doing it wrong here <laughs> <laughs> well uh mike i don't want to keep you um i did want to ask you one last question yeah yeah i feel like comic creators always have very cool collectibles so i I wanted to ask you if there's anything that you have that's like a one of a kind or other than the the head you showed which was awesome that you really really hold dear okay he's got it all right he's looking at his bookshelf yeah he's he's at the bookshelf now pulling something (laughs) i can't wait to see what it is okay so we got let's see these are these are kind of gifts that people give me at sure. conventions. Um, so I did a run of Deathlock a, a few years back. Yeah, and uh, I had to redesign the costume and all this kind of stuff. So somebody gave me this, which is <laughs> oh whoa, a Deathlock. Uh, That's so cool. Little keyring thing, which is great. And then the guys at Disney, they did a whole bunch of character. Um, with, with the, the Mickey ears. Right. And so they did that one with, with, with my design line. as well. <laughs> you guys are definitely going to want to tune into YouTube oh, if you have it to see this that's because incredible. that is, I didn't even know that they made those. Is I know. That like a, fantastic. Wow. Is that a thing that, that's never been marketed or sold? That was just I don't the, know. I mean, they, no, I think they did. But I mean, they, they got in contact with me because they wanted my costume designs and all that kind of stuff. 
Wow. I wonder and, if it's, uh, then at one of the conventions, they gave me that. I wonder if it's those but, like supermarket surprise this box one, things. This one is, is not comic based, but it's, uh, this is, um, it's, this is a limited edition from Nuremberg, um, which is um, a Playmobil, um, Elbrecht Durer Playmobil. That's uh, which is <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> I love that one. That's great. That's awesome. That's Man, awesome. Thank you for he's sharing. Even, he's even got his little painting up there. Hold on. That's so funny. See, there he is. And there's there's his, uh, he's got his little easel. Oh, my goodness. His oh, painting, yeah, <laughs> his self-portrait on there. <laughs> That's so fun. Well, you did not disappoint. Uh, <laughs> that was that that was awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so again, guys, March second uh, for the the Swamp Thing number one, uh, Ram V and Mike Perkins uh, with Mike Spicer also on colors. Uh, you guys are not going to want to miss this. Uh, if you've been reading the Future State Swamp Thing stuff, you have an idea of what you can expect. But like Mike said. They're taking it to another level. So I'll be a part of the ride. Hopefully you guys will be too. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to leave you. with a with a plug? Where can the people listen to you speak more? Do you have a Twitter or anything like that? Um, no, usually I'm on Facebook. Uh, I've got my Instagram thing, but that that kind of, uh, I don't update that as much as Facebook. So mostly the Facebook stuff and my, my website, which is mikeperkinsart.com. Awesome. Thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, you guys have been listening to a Comic Spouse interview with the one and only Mike Perkins. We will see you guys next time. Take care. Thanks a lot. See you next time.